0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to We're In Between, the podcast that discusses an episode of As Told by Ginger once a week, every week. And this week, we are discussing the pilot episode of the series. It's called The Party, and it was produced in 1998. I believe we, the public, never saw it until October 9th, 2015, on The Splat, now renamed Nick Splat. Correct me if I'm wrong there, Patricia, but I don't think we could have seen it before 2015.
1: Um, the only exception would have been that it was included on the Far From Home DVD, but as on TV, you're absolutely right. The first time that we ever did see the pilot on TV was on October 2015 on The Nick Splat.
0: Got it. I didn't know it was on the DVD. That's really interesting. But yeah, in this one, Ginger is invited to Courtney's party, but there's a problem. She has to watch Carl. Uh, So she then takes Carl to the party and ties him up with a hose in the backyard. This is only like an 11-minute episode, so it's like a half episode. Um, Yeah, very much looking forward to discussing this one and hearing what Patricia has to say. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we're in between.
1: Someone once told me the grass is much greener. We have a lot of cool stuff planned for season three.
0: Being proud of who you are no matter what you do.
1: You definitely see the characters progress a lot more. They start growing up.
0: I think Ginger and Darren are endgame.
1: It is a masterpiece of an episode.
0: Oh, it's the cattiest moment in the history of television.
1: Trust me, everybody has been excited for our thoughts on it. Who's the girl in the pink capri? It's Courtney, it's Courtney! Now, for those who have been tuning in to We're In Between and are familiar with my work at Old School Lane, back around 2015, when As Told By Ginger was celebrating its 15th anniversary, I was doing As Told By Ginger Month, and the very first thing that I tackled was the pilot itself. And this is where I debuted my now-known mini-series called From Pilot to Final Product, where I take a look at pilots from TV shows and compare it to the series to see what similarities and changes occurred. And, um, when I, I mean, I only saw the pilot maybe, like, once or twice before. Now we're just evaluating it for that video. Oh, man, there are so many changes to it, it's not even funny.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It, uh, it was hard to track all of it. It was, like, it was hard to pay attention to the plot because all I was paying attention to was, uh, You know, the look and the sound. I mean, to be fair to the voice actors, they remained remarkably consistent from the pilot on. They really found the characters' voices right away. And, you know, some of the characters weren't fully fleshed out yet, but that always happens in pilots.
1: Yeah, and just like a lot of other pilots, there were some voice actors who voiced some of the characters, but then were replaced by other people, which we'll discuss about more along the way, but yeah, for the most part, most of the voice actors that you do know of, such as Melissa Disney, um, Aspen Vincent, Jackie Harris Greenberg, they all reprise their roles as Ginger, Dodie, and Macy, respectively. I'm sure um, some people actually know about the origins of the pilot, but for those who don't, um, when Emily Kapnick was around her early... 20s, there was a contest going on in Klasky Chupo to produce um, like a story, and um, Emily Kapnick actually presented Ginger as a story to see if maybe it can be made into a pilot, and then it could be maybe made up into a TV series. A lot of the people from Klasky Chupo, including Eric Samira, was very impressed with her work, and so they decided that her story was the best out of all the ones that were submitted, and she won the contest and with that contest won she um and uh, a lot of the people from Klaski Chupo uh, created the pilot. It was produced in 1998 and then eventually the series was picked up two years later Emily was working at Klasky Chupo as you know when she won the contest not only was she um, Creating ginger, but she also worked um, she also wrote a few episodes of rocket power And she as well as a lot of other people were creating pilots for Klasky Chupo one of them being one called psycho ferret Which I actually did discuss about in Nick's Missile 4, the final chapter, which is one of the most infamous of Klasky Chupo's rejected Nicktoon pilots. It's about these twin sisters who have a pet ferret named Psycho, and they live in a community where pets aren't allowed. And um, their ferret gets away, it escapes, and they have to go find it right before... Um, this, you know, kid who's constantly, like, squealing that, oh, you have a pet, I'm going to tell on you, and I'm going to have you arrested. And they have to find the ferret right before they find that uh, they're caught with the fact that they have a pet ferret where they're not supposed to have any pets at all. Hmm. Who knows? Maybe in Friday Night that... Nicktoons podcast, maybe we'll do a second installment on rejected Nicktoons pilots because there's a yeah. ton of them.
0: Ashley did cite that one as one of her favorite uh podcast episodes of 2017 so maybe we'll have to bring that back again
1: yeah that'd be fun and i'd be more than happy to help you guys again with finding something
0: yeah yeah i'll talk to her about that cuz that was fascinating pilots in general fascinate me like do you, are you familiar with the concept called uncanny the uncanny valley it this up this pilot gave me a lot of that i was a little creeped out for those who don't know it's basically this phenomenon where like if you're watching like for example the polar express movie is often used as an example of something that looks Quite lifelike, but isn't quite lifelike enough. Like, it's either got to be unrealistic or completely realistic. It's why, like, video game cutscenes always feel kind of creepy and weird. There's something psychologically that freaks us out when we see something that is almost real. And that's sort of how I felt watching this pilot. It was like, oh, it's so close to the show that I've spent the last year watching and analyzing, but it's different enough that it kind of gives me the heebie jeebies a little bit, you know what I mean?
1: Uh, yeah, it doesn't help much that the designs are slightly different. And um, yeah, the, I feel that the writing is not up to par with the rest of the series i feel like if you really want to know the characters and the setting a lot more with ginger the first episode is the best example on that but this is you know this is like one of those quaint reminders that you don't really need to watch the pilot in order for you to gain anything you can just watch the show and you'll be fine
0: right but historically it's fascinating and i'm very glad i watched it
1: Yes, absolutely. So I guess we can get to it. So uh, because this is a pilot and, you know, similar to the pilots that we did discuss about on FNN, it starts off with the main character introducing herself, her friends and her family and um, her situation of trying to fit in at Lucky Junior High.
0: Yeah, and it starts, as you were saying, about how the writing quality was different and arguably worse. Like, it's pretty on the nose. I know that pilots need to introduce things quickly, but it's like, you know, my name is Ginger. I write everything down in my diary. That's the concept of the show. It just felt very, like, hand-holding.
1: Yeah, the first couple of seconds, you already know about... Who Ginger is, who her friends are, who her mother and brother are, and what is she going through, which is struggling to maintain cool status at Lucky Junior High. So uh we cut into the cafeteria and they're talking about a sleepover that they want to do. They talk about that their plans are uh they're going to be having sloppy Jane burritos which actually just turns into burgers like traditionally like a, a like a traditional sloppy joe and then they're going to watch The Little Seal Girl which um I guess in the pilot the Little Seal Girl is a movie.
0: Yeah, that was hilarious to me how quickly that was established as in the world.
1: Yes. Absolutely, so we already have that, and then we have Courtney and Miranda showing up, and my God, do they look completely different
0: <laughs> yeah, Courtney both of their voices are just about exactly the same, but Courtney's hair is very different, her eyes look kind of exactly like gingers with the the uh eyelashes on the top and bottom, you know,
1: yes, and Miranda is white,
0: yes, and very pointy chinned. <laughs> That's the only way I can really describe her. It's like, her chin—if her chin is like an inch, the top of her head is like a foot wide.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, I—I I mean, I don't—I mean, I can't confirm this, but I take it that they made Miranda African American to, um, you know, make it a little bit more
0: diverse. And Darren too. Darren's basically white. He's certainly not explicitly black
1: yeah that is true as well so um yeah so we have courtney and miranda coming into the uh, uh, approaching ginger's table and uh similar to how courtney was in the first season she only cares about ginger she does not know about dodie and macy and she hands ginger an invitation to a party in the first episode it was a birthday party but in the pilot it's just like a regular party where only the cool kids are invited
0: Right. If anything, this episode, this pilot reminded me the most of the sleepover episode.
1: Yeah, definitely. Because Courtney is inviting um, the cool girls over to her house and they're partying. Except that in this case, it's a boy and girl party. And, and right. all the cool people are invited.
0: But the dynamic of Macy and Dodie being jealous while Ginger gets to go, but them being like happy for her, uh, You can tell Emily wanted to mine that again for more material, which I think was a strong choice. It's an interesting dynamic of, you know, when you're the one friend who gets invited to do the cool thing, what do you do?
1: Yeah, and uh, Ginger is a lot more um, timid in the pilot because uh, we see a little bit later on that she talks about, oh, I can't do anything without Dodie and Macy. I wouldn't know what to do. But in the TV show, Ginger is sort of like the uh, uh, unestablished leader. She's the one who helps Macy out when she's frightened, and she's the one who puts Dodie in her place when she's acting like her usual gossipy, manipulative self. But here... Um, Ginger is, well, not as timid as Macy, but is a little bit afraid to
0: take risks. That's true. Her hair is also so frizzy, it almost looks like the Nick logo from that time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that is true. She she looks a lot more like Lois in the pilot.
0: Yes, a lot like Lois. I'm looking at a picture of the two of them together, and it's uh, uncanny. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think this episode gets into why... She has a single mom at all?
1: No, they they never establish about. Which is fine, um, they
0: don't have to. I just well, think it's yeah, it's
1: true. I mean, but then again, this is a pilot, so you don't want to have a whole. You don't want to have too much expedition dumped all exactly. over in just like eleven minutes.
0: Exactly. So they had to get into the plot, and it does. I think this pilot does a lot of things right. It introduces all the characters in a pretty strong and clear way. Uh, what I am confused about is how Ian is basically set up to be the big love interest of the show. And yeah, you know, Ginger's got sort of a thing for him in season one, but he really isn't very important in the grand scheme of the show. So that was kind of interesting how that ends up happening.
1: Yeah, that is true. So... Um, going into, um, when Ginger finds out that she was invited over to Courtney's party, she's, um, contemplating about what she's going to do. And then we have Darren show up and, um, just like we mentioned earlier, not only is Darren white, but his headgear squeaks and oh my God, I wanted it to stop.
0: Oh, it was so annoying. I can see why they cut that. And his hair is purple, which I thought was fascinating.
1: Yeah, so he has the same hair color as Stu from Rugrats.
0: Yeah, yeah, he does. (laughs) And he just looks very different. His nose is enormous. Uh, And yeah, the headgear squeaks, which, you know, very annoying, even if it was sort of effective to set up a character. Hoodsy also seems kind of a little more watered down and less sort of funny.
1: Yeah, uh, right before we go over to Hoodsy, uh, yes. I just want to mention that uh, Darren is one of two voice actors um, you know, who are portrayed that do not follow from the TV series Onward. Um, oh, really? Yeah, I couldn't is, even tell. No, he is not voiced by Ken Michael. He is actually voiced by Bradley Pierce. Uh, for oh. those who don't know, Bradley Pierce is uh, Chip from Beauty and the Beast. He's Peter on Jumanji. So, yeah, um... He is not, uh, Ken. In fact, when I'm I not even, I I don't know if you listened to the whole thing with um, the interview with Ken Michael, but um, apparently Ken didn't know that they changed Darren's voice actor in the pilot. He, you want to know how he knew when watching my video?
0: <laughs> That's hilarious. No, I still haven't listened to the spoiler section of that that one, so I'll have to do that now. Yeah, because I genuinely couldn't tell. I think Darren didn't have enough lines for me to really pick up on it in this one.
1: Yeah, he only just says a few lines and he talks about how um if you don't go to Courtney's party, then you're going to completely disappear and then um he said that he was going to get some advice from Will about how to act cool in uh um at a party like that and uh you know, just like in the show Ginger is asking Darren for advice and he usually just gives off his good advice without having a clue on what to say, just like he did in the early season. So, yeah, Darren, for the most part, is spot on, just with those minor little exceptions.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, and there's nothing like watching this where I was like, wow, that's completely different from the show. You know, it's all sort of in the general scope of things. Yeah,
1: so um, going into Hoodsy now, but you're absolutely right. Hoodsy is as a watered-down version of what he would eventually become. And uh, w- when we go over to um, Lois, when we get to see her, she's barely in it. But then again, she was barely in the first episode as well. Um, but she tells Ginger that if she wants to go over to the party, she has to babysit Carl, because no other babysitter will be able to watch him, and this is where we have, you know, the troublemaking Carl that we've seen in the first two seasons, and it's kind of weird that Lois would have Ginger watch over Carl like this, I mean... You know, why couldn't they do, in, like, in the episode Sleep On It, in which they would invite Dodie and Macy over to the house and, uh, you know, watch Carl um like that? But there there was the idea of, um, hey, maybe Carl can go over to the bishops, and then um Dodie says, I'm sorry, Ginger, but my mom won't allow Carl to come over to the house without you.
0: Yeah, you know... In watching this pilot, I'm surprised that wasn't a plot point more, like Ginger having to watch Carl. That didn't really happen often.
1: Yeah, and it's a good thing that it didn't, because that would have been really annoying. Yeah,
0: maybe, maybe.
1: Because, you know, Carl wouldn't be his own person. We wouldn't have the different perspectives that we would have in the show that we love so much. We wouldn't have a Carl and Hoodsy-centric plot if Ginger's always in the way.
0: True, and he needs to be independent. And his mom, even though she knows Carl's kind of a rambunctious kid, she trusts them a lot. Because they're generally pretty responsible, despite what Mrs. Bishop might think.
1: Yeah, that is true. So, um, so yeah. So Carl and Ginger walk over to Courtney's place. And Ginger asks Carl to behave himself and to stay out of her way. And Carl says, okay, I'll do it if you give me your toenail clippings for three weeks. And um, yeah, that was that's pr- completely gross. And it's even called it. It's even a, there's even a callback to it in the first episode when uh, Ginger, Dodie, and Macy are having their pedicures, and when Carl and Hoodsy, um burst into the door, and uh, Ginger says, "I know you like the smell of freshly t- uh, clipped toenails, Carl," but we're busy, and that's when Carl gives um, Ginger the news that she's been invited to Courtney's birthday party.
0: Right, um, you know. I redact one thing that I said where I said nothing about this was shocking or completely different. Blake Gripling is completely different. (laughs) Everything about him.
1: Yeah, exactly. There's three things about him that are different than we would see later on in the show. Number one, he only shows up for like five seconds and he looks young. I mean, even though that in the show he's seven and three quarters... He acts so he really acts like a seven year old he acts like an immature child where right. in the series he's a lot more sophisticated number two, his design is different um his hair is completely different the shape of his head is completely different, and we only see him on his uh you know out we only see him by his underwear, so he's not wearing um you know his usual vest or his shorts or his or he has his walking stick or anything like that and number three. Um, He is not voiced by... um, He is not voiced by um, Kath Susie. He is voiced by Tara Strong.
0: Which is great. I would have loved to see what her interpretation of Blake would have been. But, you know, obviously, the way it turned out was totally fine. But yeah, Blake is the annoying little brother in this, which he kind of isn't... Like, Courtney isn't obsessed with Blake, but she's not, like constantly annoyed by him either
1: yeah i mean sure maybe we can make the exception at the first episode when he was spying on her but nothing like oh i'm gonna crash your party and ruin it for you no there's nothing like that with blake he would never stoop that low otherwise he would have ruined courtney's party with hope rogers when that happened but other other than that um yeah so i guess we can cut into the party oh wait before we cut into the party we gotta mention the pony song
0: of course we do. I just love that we have a song so early on in this show.
1: And it's awful! It's really awful!
0: Oh, I mean, yeah, but, like, I thought it was totally right for the, the moment.
1: Yeah, and even Aspen said that it was, like, ad-libbing or something, and it shows. There's no structure or cohesiveness to it. I mean, it's about ponies and it it's and the way that they're dressed is just so weird, like they have these wigs. It's like, what is going on? What am I watching?
0: Yeah, it was very sudden and strange. Dodie is kind of different as a character like the all of the roots are there, but she's not fully formed into the like gossip monger that she is in in the show proper
1: macy's consistent yeah. though i mean she still has her allergies and she's still um kind of quiet and a little bit more and a little bit timid so um right. that part of it is uh, that part of her character is consistent
0: it is yeah she's less funny though that part isn't really explored yet
1: yeah that is true she is a lot less funny Um, So um, the thing that I was really shocked when I first saw the pilot was Ginger dragging Carl into the backyard and tying him with a hose. Ginger would (laughs) never do that in the show.
0: No, He's too responsible and caring
1: exactly like i I even pointed that out that um ginger is the type of person that even though that her and carl have nothing in common she would help him she would defend him i mean sure we've had terrible examples on that but for the most part um she would never do something like that to carl it's one of the most jarring things i've ever seen in that pilot
0: yeah it Yeah, that did not make sense to me, but before the characters were who they were, maybe they thought Ginger would do something like that.
1: So, we go over to the party, and um you know she's speaking over uh, you know she's speaking to Miranda and she's speaking to Courtney, and she was told by uh Darren not to eat the dip and she's just eating the chips regularly, and then they're playing a game of spin the bottle and Ginger wants to get a um you know get she wants um uh, to uh, she wants the bottle to pick Ian because she wants to have a kiss and then the bottle is spinning, and it does land on Ian and just when they're about to kiss the um you know the 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 little siblings oh, I forgot to mention that um you know the um, apparently Ginger's not the only one who tied her sibling in the backyard. All of the kids did it. I'm like, what <laughs> really
0: yeah, it's kind of hilarious it's like they it's like their bikes or cars or something that they locked up. <laughs> I thought that was really funny in an absurd kind of way and and as told by Ginger, once it found it found its legs was not an absurd show, except for maybe when Maud comes back as a ghost.
1: Sure, Maud comes back as a ghost, Noel Sussman develops telekinetic powers.
0: Oh yeah, that's absurd. Noel is absurd, so it's not entirely without that, but it usually sticks to the laws of the universe
1: right exactly it, it's actually consistent so yeah like so yeah uh, basically um you know carl calls hoodsy in his walkie-talkie hoodsy rides his bike all over uh you know over to courtney's house he unties all the siblings and then they crash and ruin the party and um ian is just like bewildered but at the same time he decides to kiss ginger's cheek anyway because why not that's actually the only time in which he actually shows any affection to Ginger in the entire series.
0: That's true. I hadn't thought of that. You're so right.
1: I mean, the closest thing was the A ticket, but it wasn't from love. It was just the fact that he was using her so he can get a good grade.
0: Right. I don't know. I'm I enjoyed watching this a lot. I don't it's interesting because if I were a TV producer, which I am decidedly not, I don't know if I would have greenlit it just from this pilot alone, but obviously I'm so glad that they did.
1: And you have to and also you have to consider that this would have been if it was produced in 1998, and if they were pitching it around during that time, either that or in 1999, then, you know, it was competing against the likes of Cat Dog, the Wild Thornberries, Rocket Power, Spongebob. I mean, Klasky Chupa was already becoming the definitive company de- um, developing and creating all these Nicktoons. And as Eric Casimiro said, that they were, like, producing and creating at least 10 pilots a year. So imagine this and imagine all the other pilots that didn't get picked up. And out of all of them, something like Ginger was picked up.
0: And I think it's great that it did. And it is so distinct from all other Nicktoons.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, the closest thing that Ginger would be for a Slice of Life cartoon would be um, Doug and Hey Arnold. And yeah, um, after like the two thousand, Slice of Life cartoons wouldn't be as Popular ever again I mean maybe not until I mean sure maybe some people would argue about The Mighty Bee, but that's like really that's like way too absurd and um, after that then we would have The Loud House so yeah Ginger was kind of like one of the last Slice of Life cartoons that came out during the golden era of Slice of Life cartoons with the likes of Doug Hey Arnold Recess Pepper Ann um, The Proud Family The Weekenders Arthur and then afterwards, um it was all about action cartoons and anime.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah so, it it's Nickelodeon sure has ebbed and flowed and changed over the years in very interesting ways.
1: Yeah. So the episode, so the pilot concludes with Ginger writing on her journal and uh, talking to Dodie about that, he, that, that she received a leak going into like their little terms that they have of a mixture between lip and cheek. And then she starts writing in her diary about the party and about the lesson that she learned from the day. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. And the only reference did they have for the pilot was if you took a look at the book that Ginger was reading from at the, at the last scene in the, uh, the wedding frame, you saw Ginger's pilot face at the, the cover of the
0: book. Yeah, I, yeah, that was nice. I think I don't know. It like it seemed kind of heavy-handed, but it 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 does what a pilot's supposed to do, and that it tells you what they're gonna try to do with the rest of the show. And I think it did. It does that.
1: Yes, it does. So with that out of the way, um, should we even rank this pilot?
0: It feels kind of unfair to... Like compared, because it just didn't have the resources that the others did. The animation quality is, you know, obviously worse because they didn't have as much money or time on it.
1: So, yeah, it it, it it definitely is a prime example of um, the resources were not there, the time wasn't there, the voice actors didn't get a full grasp on their characters yet. It definitely got a lot better as they went along, which is why, uh, you know, I'm really glad that they were able to take two years of uh, their time to, um, you know, iron out the flaws and refine what the pilot had brought in to make things a lot better.
0: You know what pilot is excellent is the Rugrats pilot. Ashley and I watched it. It might be just the first episode.
1: The pilot is called Tommy Pickles and the Great White Thing.
0: Oh yeah, I haven't seen that. But yeah, I guess you're right, it's different. But that first episode was incredible because it just captured the feel of that show so immediately. I suppose Ginger did as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense why the first episode was so good because Craig Bartlett co-wrote that episode.
0: Ah, I did not know that.
1: Yeah, um, I think that for the most part, um, yes, I think that this is a very rough and very low-budget pilot um, from the outside. But from the inside, they were able to almost get the core of what As Told by Ginger would become. And yep. as time went on, they would get a lot better with it. The characters are um, they are still the same. They still, have, for the most part, have the same voice actors. Um, it's just that... Um, It just wasn't there, and I'm glad that they were able to take the time to refine everything. So, yeah, I'm not going to give a... I I suppose, you know, for the sake of it was a pilot, we're not going to rank this one.
0: Yeah, but the foundation is laid. It does what it's supposed to do in that sense, that they have something to build off of to create the great show that they did. And obviously it worked, because they did.
1: All right, uh, if there's nothing more to say, then I guess we can wrap things up.
0: Yeah, I'm good to, to wrap up, I think.
1: Okay, tune in next week as we're going to conclude we're in between with our Season 3 recap. We're going to be talking about what our favorite episodes are, and we'll give our final thoughts about how we felt about the show. And then afterwards, we'll be posting up our interview with Emily Kapnick. We have all of your questions ready, and um, we cannot wait to post the interview by them. So stay tuned for that. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Hope to see you around soon, and take care.